Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Believe in Giants podcast with two-time Super Bowl winner Carl Banks and the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Giants. Bob Papa, two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks. And uh, Carl, we're back from London. What a win it was on Sunday for the Giants. Um, everybody was so excited on the way back, although most people think that, like in the movies, like it's a raucous plane ride home and all that other stuff. Can we share with the audience really how subdued it is on a lot of these rides home outside of maybe a ride home from a Super Bowl or an NFC championship game? Yeah, it is super quiet, uh, Bob. Guys are playing cards, and, you know, they get in little groups, but it's not rowdy now. If this were 20 years ago, 25 years ago, yeah, you'd probably see guys up and down the aisles acting crazy, but it's, it's you know, guys are tired, too. Keep in mind, they just played uh, a full game. Their long drive back, I mean, long fl- flight back over, and they just want to get some rest and chill out, get some good food and, you know, replenish their their um, their fluids with Gatorade and all the other stuff that the the team gives them. Yeah, you know, and, and because the Packers were the home team, they had to go through the stadium first, leave the stadium first, which meant then they had to go through the 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 airport checkpoint. That's normally done at the stadium, but it had to be done at the airport. So you had to wait for the Packers to get through, get on their plane, get their plane off before we were ever even able to leave the stadium. And uh, I thought the Giants did a great job, uh, just the coordination of time, because we landed at like 1.15 a.m. after a seven-hour and 20-minute flight. So you get a little nap on the plane, but you make sure you're still tired. So when you get home, you get a regular night's sleep, and it kind of gets you back on New Jersey time fast. Yeah, you wake up and your body clock uh, sees the regular clock and it's like, okay, it's it's nine o'clock in the morning. So I'm going to start my day. Um, but it's again, logistically, I think the NFL has done a good job. And obviously, Bob, it's not like a concert, like a musician where you go from city to city and, you know, sleep is overrated. You're in a profession that um, rest and recovery is paramount to how you perform the next seven day in the next seven days. So it started their rest and recovery started immediately after the game and, and doing things on the plane that uh, you may not do if you were just driving home, you know, the type of um, fluid replenishment and, and rehydration that they have to factor in even all the way down to the food. So the sports science is a lot different than it used to be because, you know, jet lag is a real thing flying coast to coast. So I'm not let's coast talk, to coast, country to country. Yeah. So let's talk about this football game. It didn't get off to a great start, but let's face it. A lot of Giants games don't get off to a great start, but this team has shown an ability to finish outscoring their opponents by a big margin in the second half of games this year. In your opinion, what sort of turned this game around for the Giants? Well, listen, the fact that they would never let Rodgers get comfortable in that offense get in the rhythm. So part of it, I would say, is what Wink Martindale was doing. And I'm saying he's doing it with guys that you didn't even hear of by the second half of the of the game. You had guys in there that you're like, oh, I didn't even know he was 
an active player on the roster. But um, I just think Daniel Jones' ability to get on the move and the decision by Mike Kafka and this offensive staff and, and Coach Debo as to when they were going to start moving him around because they felt great about him. He never hit the injury list. So they felt great about his ability and his mobility, but they didn't, they didn't show that right away. They wanted to see what the Packers defense was going to do just in case. And I think they found out, then they put him on the move. So I think the big difference in this game is number one, how the defense continues to persevere, right? Not giving up huge plays. They gave up, I think they give up maybe one a game or something like that. Um, but, you know, again, trying to keep offenses, especially high-powered offenses, off rhythm. And then offensively, I think um, the re-emergence of Darius Slayton made a big difference and how this team ran their offense. Because, and I say this. And you pointed back he, to last week. Yep. Even though he didn't have a huge impact on the game, that it was a spark that he needed. It was a spark that he needed. And he did impact in terms of being able to shift field position. He drew the pass interference call, right? Should have caught the ball. Yeah. Okay. But he changed the field. So them in the back of their heads, the coaches saying, okay, we got a guy now who can separate. Um, but for him, it meant more for him to really be out there. The coaches having confidence. They went at him twice. They did not shy away from him uh, Sunday. And what we found out is that all those crossing routes no longer look the same to a defense, right? So the Giants are running their play action pass, a little waggle. And all of a sudden, their crossing route is a lot faster than those defensive backs are used to. They got a big play out of Slayton on one, uh, drew another pass interference he did on another one. But, you know, now that you got a guy who can separate and he's catching the ball, and, he, it, and I, I thought, you know, sincerely thought that it mattered to him. He, it, it, football is important to him, he's a and good he wants kid. to contribute. Yeah, he's, well, a, real, that, he's that a really good kid. No, he's yeah. a great kid. I, and I told him uh, after the game, I'm like, we just need to get that that smile back you had. Because, you know, he loves football, but you can never tell this year because he just was so serious. And he's a happy-go-lucky guy. And I, I'm happy for him, but I'm happy for this offense because it gives them another option in terms of how they want to go because – what we're going to find out is just like, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens, everybody knows Lamar Jackson's going to run the football, right? Mm -hmm. You got to commit to stop it. You, you know, know, the Giants are going to run the football with Saquon Barkley. Now that you got a guy who can go over the top and play action pass, it changes the dynamic of how you defend. So for me, this game, you know, the, the, the Packers get a field goal right at the end of the half. So after the Giants, you know, get some momentum, get it to 17-10. Green Bay, zip, zip, zip down the field, and they get a field goal. So it's 20-10 to 10 at the half. The opening drive of the third quarter was so important. The Giants get the ball to start the third quarter. They go down the field, 11 plays, 56 yards. They have to settle for a Gano field goal. 
But Carl, they did something. The Ravens, uh, the 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 Ravens. I'm, I'm already thinking ahead. The Packers had the number one third down defense in the NFL going into the game. Teams had only converted ten of forty two third downs, and teams were zero for eighteen against them on third downs of nine or more yards. And you know, if the Giants go three and out to start the third quarter, maybe Rodgers gets out there. They get good field position. But how about this? On that eleven play, fifty six yard drive, they hit a third and three, fourteen yards to Slayton. They hit a third and four. Jones ran up the middle for six yards. They hit a third and three uh, or a third and eight. They, then they had a third and eight at the 17 yard line. Bredesen jumped offside, so they kicked the field goal. But then Packers come back downfield. They have a first and 10 at the Giant 38. That drive ends with Dexter Lawrence's sack that knocks the Packers out of field goal range. And then the Giants start at their own nine yard line. They go on an 81 yard drive that took another eight minutes and seven seconds. So now we're already into the fourth quarter, and that's when Brightwell scored. And the Packers have only had the ball once in the second half, and then the Giants' defense hold them to a three and out. And to me, that's where the game shifted, right there at that point in time. Dexter Lawrence had a uh, turning point play in the game. But defensively, like you said, when, when the Packers got an opportunity after being on the sideline so long, the Giants blunted their efforts. And like you said, that changed it. And when you look at how the Giants were doing it, now both corners down, uh, but they made great use of the pass rushers that they had. So they had healthy rushers, and Kayvon Thibodeau impacted this game. O'Shane Zimenez closed the game. Um, Jahad Ward impacted this game. Jalen Smith impacted this game. He took away a quick slant that nobody will ever notice. It was the ball that was tipped by Thibodeau. But when that ball was snapped and, you know, with Rodgers, he likes to hit it and get it. That ball's out of his hands. Jalen Smith was in that slant window and sat right there. And there was nowhere for Rodgers to go with the ball. And then he tried to hold it another tick. And that's when Kayvon Thibodeau uh, tipped the ball in the air. But this, this pass rush, this defensive front has done a really good job. And they played the run relatively well, too. And when they do it, it's not just the bigs. The defensive backs are hitting. Julian Love is making tackles. Xavier McKinney are coming up. If they got to replace a player that's eating up a block, they come up and they make a good tackle. Giants had the football in the second half of the game for 19 minutes and 35 seconds. So they kept Rodgers off the field. They were productive on third downs. The Giants finished the game 6 of 11 on third downs, but in effect it was 6 of 10 because the last third down was the kneel down on third and 13. So you, you almost don't even count that. And to me, you know, this was one of those perfect examples. We've seen games in the past. And in past years where the Giants have won and they've outscored somebody or they've lost a game or they've won a game where they really didn't do anything offensively. They just played great defense. In fact, most of the games in 2016, it was great defense. And then an eight yard slant to Odell that went for a 56 yard touchdown. Right. Um, they won this game on both sides of the football. Like the, the, the glory goes to everybody in this game you know, with the way the whole, especially the way the second half played out. Well, it really did. And here's the one thing, too, about Brian Dable. And again, I keep, you know, encouraging our, our fan base 
to start to broaden the way you think of, of uh, football philosophy. So the old way of thinking is, hey, they kept Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. They dominated time of possession. But with Brian Dabo, he's like, yeah, time of possession is great. But I want to score points. When we have that time of possession, every time we get down there, putting points on the board is just as good, if not better, than time of possession. To have them both is great, but to be able to put points on the board is what they want. That's how you keep the other team and a guy like Aaron Rodgers at a deficit. So they accomplish both. And, you know, the other thing that I, I, I really want to encourage Giant fans to really start to embrace is that your team is going to be in a game. They're if it's close in the fourth quarter, it's by design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw a, a, a video that was on social media when uh, the last series was happening. It was Madeline, Amani, and Paul Dettino. And they're looking like, okay, here we go again. Here we go again. Are we going to lose this game? And they just erupted here in this studio. And that's, you know, the fan base is like, they got to get used to it. Your team will be relevant in the fourth quarter. They're going to do everything they can to take a team into the deep end. And they're going to keep a close game. Um, and they're going to play the game on their terms. It really is amazing when you mention it, when you, when you put it in those terms, because, you know, Giants fans were spoiled starting in 2005, you know, Eli's rookie year was 2004. You know, he struggled during his rookie year, but he had that comeback in the regular season finale, um, his first comeback win. But, you know, there was a long stretch of time where if the game was close in the fourth quarter, you just knew that Eli Manning was going to drive and win the game uh, or, or his, win his fair share. It's not like they went undefeated every year. And, you know, I think Giants fans have completely lost touch with that positive energy after the 2012 season. Then it was like they started losing these games. And then you had the one season under Coughlin 2015 where the Giants set an NFL record for the most games lost with the lead going into the final two minutes, I think eight of them that year and four of the eight, they had the lead with a minute to go in the game mm -hmm. and lost the game. So there's like a lot of negative reinforcement. So they almost have to relearn how to expect your team to maybe win. Yeah. I mean, listen, the fan base and even probably some members on the team, even though the roster has turned over so much, but just the mindset, even, I mean, I'm sure if you got ownership, in a private moment, they would be like, boy, I hope we can keep it close, you know, against a really good team. And now they're, I'm, sh I'm sure even they are starting to believe, wow, they're doing it. They're doing better than expected um, while managing expectations. And Carl, um, game awareness. We know that Rogers is always looking for Cobb right now. And Cobb was hitting him. He finished with 99 yards and he hit him on one of those crossing routes. But then you got a guy, Nick McLeod, who the Giants picked up off waivers, and he's in their corner. Justin Lane, who's another waiver claim, is in their corner. And to his credit and the coach's credit and being aware of your keys, I'm sure he could see by formation, by down and distance, 
Rodgers wants to hit this cross. And he played sure. it perfectly and knocked the ball away. At the end of the game, if you think about when the the last couple of games, the Packers game against the Bucks, and uh, I can't remember what game it was earlier this year, when they had the ball in and around the six, seven-yard line, five-yard line, they go into these formations and they got these RPOs and then they're hitting the slant on the backside mm-hmm. or they're hitting the speed out to Lazard in a fake run situation. Well, on that third and fourth down play, you could see that those players, A, were well coached. The quality control staff had all the data of tendencies. And then the players recognized the formations and played it perfectly, which is why you had two batted down passes on the last two games. Uh, the last two plays of the game. Yeah, and and none more prevalent and more important than the McKinney batted down pass in the red zone. He's throwing to the pylon. That's one of his favorite throws. To Lazard. This is, yeah, this is where the data analytics comes in because you can say, hey, they're going to run this play high probability, right? And you can tell the corner. That's but But Aaron Rodgers is so precise with those passes. He's a sharpshooter. What did Wink do? He made it even more difficult because he brought two guys in his face off of the edge that he's throwing to. So it even complicated the process even more for Rodgers because if it's a one-on-one, we've seen it time and time again, great coverage, better throw. Now it's big pressure, good coverage, and now Rodgers has now got to navigate something else and it's disrupting his timing, and they got they were able to bat that ball down. Yeah, it was because I was looking at the clips of them, and like against the Bucks, and the Bucks didn't bring pressure, and he was able to do that little RPO rise up and boom. And before mm-hmm. the defense could even react, the ball was whizzing by somebody's ear, and it's a touchdown. And in this situation, everybody knew where he wanted to go. Everybody knew by formation. The receivers were all to the left. He's got Lazard over here, and Wink's like, all right. Let's just come at him, hands up, because you're probably not going to get him, but get the hands up. And then, you know, I, I want to give another guy a little bit of credit. You know, O'Shane Ziminis last year, um, he had a pretty good rookie season. And then last year, he jumped off sides against Kansas City on what should have been a game-ending interception against the Chiefs. And he got banished. I mean, he was a healthy scratch for like five or six weeks. And look, he's taken his new lease on life. He's taken his new fresh start with a new staff and general manager and coaching staff, and he's taken it and run with it. I mean, he's gotten some big sacks and hits this year, and he delivered that crushing sack on the on the last play of the game after the Giants took the safety. And, you know, it's a perfect guy to have as part of a rotation that you're going to have. But I, I, I like to tip my cap to guys like that and Slayton who are kind of written off and write themselves mm-hmm. back in. Well, the thing, the thing about O'Shane Zimmon is we saw his ability, not unlike what we saw from Darius Slayton early on. we like, boy, these guys could have tremendous upside. And then one thing or another, they get banished. And I think in, in Slayton's case, he, can, he lost a little confidence after that Monday night football game. Zimmon is, I'm, I don't, you know, being benched, being banished, it's hard to work out of the doghouse when you're getting those those glares from the coaching staff. Like, uh, don't think about it. We're not we're not even going to look at you unless the sky is falling. And I think a couple times the sky was falling last year. They still didn't activate him. Um, 
but having their opportunity to, to reestablish themselves. I'm super proud of the job that uh, Zimenez is doing because listen, that, that position room that they're in, it's not without talent and he just fits right in there. It's not like he's saying, I hope I can make it. He's in there and he's a contributor and they're playing. And, and that's the one thing that um, Coach Dable talks about, production. You know, being available, being productive increases your opportunities. And I think that was really good for him. And then credit Coach Mike Grow. The apple don't fall far from the tree because if he can see something in you like his father, he going to make sure that you go into every game thinking that you can. And I'm sure after last week's game, um, and he, you know, drew the pass interference, didn't catch that one, and then the interception. I'm sure Coach Bro said to him, here's what you can do. You see how you ran by this guy? You see how you ran by this guy? Don't lose that. Just catch the ball. Now let's go catch some jugs in the, in the, cause he'll make it now. I'm, I'm sure he probably told him go in the field house and catch a hundred balls. I want you to catch a hundred balls until game day every day. And that's, that's a boost to the confidence. Cause I, I, I know how the gross coach. And if they, if you got, if you broke through on one piece of it, they're going to make sure that you complete that process and now become a uh, 100% uh, contributor within your skill set. So um, hats off to both of those young men. Um, O'Shane Zimenez has hit the ground running this year. And Darius Slayton had a moment, and he now he's connected the hands to the speed, and he's been a contributor. So uh, kudos to them. But it's also uh, we, we, we hit, hinted around coaching, but folks, what a difference good coaching makes. And this is no disrespect to any other regime. These guys see it different. They do it different um, because these players are responding in close games. And again, manage expectations. Yes, it's four and one. There are going to be some games where their best may not be good enough, but they're going to force you to have to execute just like they did with Aaron Rodgers in that red zone play you got to ask, we're going to, we're going to make you execute because we're going to do something that you're not going to like. And if you're going to be that guy, you're going to have to defeat two blitzers and good coverage in the end zone. Yeah. There's a lot of positive reinforcement from this staff. Uh, there's not a lot of negativity. There's a lot of encouragement. And the other thing, Carl is, I mean, they're putting their money where their mouth is. You talk to people that are on the staff. And they don't lament who's not up that week. Oh, we don't have this right. guy. We don't have that guy. You know, we're going to put this guy in. He can't really do what the other guy can. That's why he's the backup. Oh, I don't know what we're going to do here. We got to, this is what, this is our system. This is what we run. These guys are coming up with a game plan every week based on who's available to them. And mm -hmm. okay, this week we're going to run this stuff. Well, we can't put this stuff in because the guys that we have really to execute it aren't really capable of doing it at a high enough level for us to be, for us to be successful, but okay. What are the, what can they do well? And then right. let's, let's like Marcus Johnson. This is a guy that was just signed a couple of weeks ago coming off the practice squad. He's a seven year veteran. He's been around uh, from team to team played his college ball, at Texas. He played the most snaps of any wide receiver on Sunday. Yeah, there you go. 
And another another case in point was Matt Breida, right? So Saquon goes out. They're running Matt Breida on some things. And I look to you. Oh, there was that hole. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I say to you, Bob, this is a Saquon Barkley type of play. You need someone who can jump cut. Gary Brightwell is a guy who can make that cut and hit in the pocket. Sure enough, on their scoring drive, he, he hits a jump cut, jumps right in the pocket, and they form the little V, and he's right there in the end zone for the touchdown. So like you said, they look at what guys can do, and they dial them up at the right moment. So uh, again, folks, enjoy it. Uh, manage expectations, but just know that you've got competent coaching, and you've got a culture shift in which players have embraced, and they're going to give their best. Football's back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, and a whole lot more. Source for all wagering info. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, giveaways all season long, and the fastest, easiest way to bet on your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. Head to betonline.ag to join. Receive a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. You'll receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So, Carlin, wrapping up here, and we'll talk about the Ravens later in the week, what was some of the most enjoyable parts of the London experience for you outside of the game? Because I know you had a lot of business going on, too. Yeah, it was the interaction with the fans. The Horse and Guardsmen pub, uh, hat tip to them they did it proper as they would say um they were proper host and and it's just the turnout was just incredible uh, being able to go and and have good food in london and be amongst the people was great yeah and i'm a i'm a fish and chips connoisseur uh from the many times that i've been to england and it's always fun finding another spot that does it really well and i did have my first ever in my life guinness I had never had a Guinness. I'm 58 years old. That's right. And I never had a Guinness. Now I heard it in Ireland. Wow. It's better, but I had my first one and that was enjoyable. I walked the streets of London a lot. I did a I lot did of too. walking just I to look. Um, hey, yeah, the fan support was great. Uh, all of our international fans. I mean, the amount of, when we did that Q and a, the amount of giants fans from Denmark, uh, obviously the UK, Germany, and how about the guy from France that nailed like every giant yes. question wearing the LT jersey with the French flag? Yeah. Uh, yep. In fact, you met the guys you were on their podcast, right? The UK giant podcast. Yeah, yeah. and they, they are great guys. And um, we got to get them to do a, uh, a joint podcast with us because that'll, that'll be fun. And also one more thing too, Bob, like we did, I, I'm sure you guys have seen on, on the social channels, either mine or the Giants, all the London product that we did. Um, if you didn't get a chance to get any, it'll be back up on starter.com tomorrow. We have a few pieces left that we're going to put up some really cool sweatshirts. If you saw the Eli Manning show, uh, we did a, um, we did a fashion show. So Victor Cruz and I, so you'll see the product there. So if you go to YouTube and, um, look at the Eli Manning, uh, London show, you'll see some of the product that we have and you can. Uh, go to starter.com, I think, starting tomorrow. All right, so we're, we're recording on Monday. So, fans, check it out beginning on October the 11th, depending on when you're watching. And if yeah. you happen to watch this after October 11th, that means it's up and it's go up. get your stuff. All right, Carl, let's end it like we always do. 
Tell a friend to tell a friend. Yeah, and tell that friend to tell a friend that the Giants are off to a 4-1 and one start, their best start since 2009. For Carl Banks, I'm Bob Papa. Thanks for joining us in Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.